Hey there, Brainwaves fam. I just stumbled upon an article on Clean Technica that had me giggling and thinking a lot about the future of transportation. It's about a robo-taxi race that took place in San Francisco, with Tesla's FSD Beta, Waymo, and Cruise all competing in the ultimate battle of autonomous driving technologies. Let's dive in, shall we? So, the three self-driving taxis raced through the streets of San Francisco, with each vehicle's AI strutting its stuff. The stakes were high, the streets were steep, and competition was fierce. Tesla's FSD Beta finished the route in 20 minutes, Waymo followed at 25 minutes, and Cruise trailed at 29 minutes. Now, before we hit the brakes, let's remember that this race is about more than just speed. Safety, smooth ride quality, and efficiency are all essential parts of this ride-sharing revolution. As entertaining as a robotaxi race sounds, it really symbolizes a pivotal moment in transportation history. Robotaxis have the potential to transform our cities in so many ways, reducing traffic congestion, improving road safety, cutting down greenhouse gas emissions, and increasing accessibility for those who can't drive. We're speeding toward a cleaner, safer, and more inclusive future, folks. Now let's switch gears and get to your burning questions. You know the drill. Submit your queries at brainwavespod.com, comma, and buckle up because we're about to dive into today's listener questions. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey brainwaves, this is Stephanie from Austin, Texas. I have to admit that I really love your podcast and can't get enough of your candid humor and advice on all sorts of topics. So here's my dilemma. And I'm hoping you can give me some straight talk about dealing with digital privacy and relationships. Let me give you some context. My boyfriend and I have been dating for two years now, and everything has been great. The trust, communication, you name it. But recently, we've been arguing about digital privacy. He doesn't like it when I snoop on his phone, but, I mean, is it really snooping if we're supposed to be an open book to each other? I don't have anything to hide, and I let him check my phone whenever he wants. So why can't he do the same? Am I being too nosy or setting unrealistic expectations in terms of digital privacy? I don't know. It's just been really confusing, especially given how complex the digitized world is. How can we make sure we maintain a healthy balance between respecting each other's privacy and being transparent in our relationship? Thanks, Brainwaves. Can't wait to hear your wisdom on this. Hey, Stephanie. First of all, thanks for the love and support. I'm thrilled to have you as a listener. Now, let's dive into your digital dilemma. Before we even touch on the phone issue, I want to highlight something crucial. Trust is the cornerstone of any successful relationship. That means, yes, in some ways, relationships are about being an open book to each other, but hold your horses, Stephanie. That doesn't mean you should have the green light to go rummaging through each other's personal belongings, digital or otherwise. Boundaries are essential for maintaining a sense of individual freedom and promoting healthy communication. 
Now, let's talk phone etiquette. You say you're open to your boyfriend checking your phone whenever he wants, which might seem transparent to you. But question time. Have you both established clear boundaries and expectations? If he's uncomfortable with you accessing his phone, it doesn't automatically mean he's hiding something. He might simply have a different understanding of what privacy in a relationship entails. Everyone's level of comfort with sharing personal information varies, and that's okay. How about you both sit down and have a candid conversation about your thoughts and feelings on the subject? Like any good therapy session, start with I statements, I feel, so you don't come across as accusing or confrontational. Describe what privacy in a relationship means to you and find out what your boyfriend's thoughts are on the topic. Ask him, what does privacy mean to you in terms of our relationship? Open-ended questions are your best buddies in these situations. And let's be clear, if snooping or browsing through his phone is causing arguments, Stephanie, perhaps it's time to evaluate why you feel the need to do this. Trust building doesn't come from continuous monitoring. It grows from mutual respect and understanding. Remember, part of a healthy relationship is giving each other space to be individuals, and that includes taking responsibility for our insecurities. Now, I'm not going to leave you hanging without some tips for striking that oh-so-essential balance. Here are a few ideas to get you started. 1. Respect each other's boundaries and ask for permission before diving into anything personal. Want to see his latest text thread? Ask first. 2. Create a digital date night where you both share certain digital experiences together, like scrolling through old photos or sharing funny memes. Emphasize the together aspect. 3. If communication is key, practice it offline too. Instead of feeling insecure about his digital habits, find time to express your feelings and engage in real in-person conversation. In the end, remember that boundaries are crucial for personal growth and a fulfilling relationship. Digital privacy may be a new territory, but the basics of mutual respect and trust still apply. Good luck, Stephanie. And remember, it's called a smartphone for a reason. It's here to make our lives easier, not turn us into overeager digital detectives. Hey, Brainwaves. This is Beth from Denver. So I recently joined my brother in our family business, and I've got to be honest, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. We've always had a love-hate relationship, but these days, it's more like hate with a sprinkle of tolerance. See, the thing is, we have very different working styles, which is causing a lot of friction. I'm all about organization, structured meetings, and constantly improving systems. But my brother is more of a free spirit, always jumping from one idea to another and treating every task like a competition. And oh, the ego on that guy! The problem is, since it's a family business, I can't just quit or fire him, you know? So how do I navigate this sibling rivalry at work without ruining our personal relationship or, you know, committing the dreaded family murder? Any pearls of wisdom for your stressed-out girl, Beth? Hey, Beth, thanks for tuning in. First off, kudos for diving headfirst into the family business with your brother. Now let's tackle that sibling rivalry, shall we? As you know, working with family can be both a blessing and a curse. In your case, it seems like it's leaning heavily towards the curse side. The key here is to find a balance between your personal relationship with your brother and your professional one. First things first, have an honest conversation with your brother and lay your feelings out on the table. Acknowledge that while you have different working styles, 
you both want what's best for the business. Make sure you use I statements to express your concerns so it doesn't come off as an attack on him. For example, you could say, I feel stressed when we can't agree on how to approach tasks because it affects our productivity. After opening the lines of communication, let's tackle those differences in working styles. It might help to implement some structured mediation or even bring in a neutral third party to facilitate a more harmonious working relationship. This could look like a weekly check-in or a monthly meeting with both parties airing their grievances and working towards solutions. And hey, don't forget that sometimes your brother's free spirit mindset might lead to some breakthrough ideas. Rather than brushing him off as chaotic, try to be open to the possibility that there's value in being flexible and adaptable. Likewise, encouraging your brother to adopt some of your more organized habits might do wonders for the business too. Now, let's talk about boundaries. Establishing clear boundaries between your work life and personal life will make a world of difference, Beth. This could include things like not discussing work during family gatherings or having designated work-free zones in your home. Alternatively, setting aside specific times during the week to have some quality sibling bonding time can help ease the tension between you two. Lastly, remember that when you're working with family, sometimes you need to give each other a little extra grace. Accept that no relationship is perfect and expect some bumps in the road. Don't lose sight of the bond you share as siblings and prioritize that above any work-related struggles. So Beth, in summary, communicate openly, acknowledge each other's work styles, establish boundaries between your personal and professional lives, and protect your sibling bond. And please, refrain from committing any family murders. Keep us posted on your progress and good luck. Hi Brainwaves, my name is Melissa and I'm from Seattle. So, like, I'm facing this interesting situation and I was hoping you could give me some advice. I identify as an asexual person and dating for me has always been difficult. While I love building emotional connections and deep relationships, I'm just not interested in the physical, sexual side of things. So I've been trying to navigate this minefield called dating, with many people not understanding my asexuality or simply expecting sex to be part of the deal eventually. I've tried to be upfront, but it feels like it scares off potential partners. What advice do you have for someone like me to comfortably and effectively communicate my asexuality in the dating world, while not giving off a buzzkill vibe. Am I just looking in the wrong places, or are there any specific strategies you'd suggest to meet and attract like-minded individuals? Thanks. Hey, Melissa, thanks for tuning in and sharing your question. First off, kudos to you for being open and honest about your asexuality. That's some serious boss energy right there. Now let's dive into this dating quagmire, shall we? Navigating the dating world as an asexual person can indeed be challenging, but it's no reason to fold up your metaphorical parachute and call it quits. Honesty is the best policy, but there is an art to dropping the asexuality bomb without making it sound like a deal-breaker or throwing a wet blanket on a fun night out. Here's my two cents. Start by building emotional connections first. Not just on dating apps, but also in more genuine contexts, such as hobby clubs, meetups, or support groups. Get to know people who share common interests and values on a deeper level before discussing your asexuality. It's fine to leave it out of your dating profile if you're worried it might scare off potential matches, but only if you're comfortable with that choice. Remember, you're a prize, 
not a consolation, my friend. Once you've established a solid connection with someone and the topic of sexuality comes up, integrate your asexuality into the conversation without making it sound like a downside or a deal-breaker. Remember those sitcoms where they'd say, warning I snore in a joking manner? You can take a similar approach. Let them know that from your perspective, your asexuality is just a part of who you are, like having an affinity for bad reality TV or an irrational fear of pigeons. Laughter is the best way to keep things light and avoid the buzzkill vibe you mentioned. As for meeting like-minded people, asexual dating sites and apps do exist. Hello, 21st century, so looking there might make life a whole lot easier. Also, keep your eyes on the prize. And by prize, I mean the community that embraces different sexual preferences. Connect with people in the LGBTQ plus world who might be more familiar with different sexual identities and be supportive of your journey. Sharing your experiences with others in similar situations, either online or in person, may lead to meeting someone special who can relate to your asexuality. Lastly, remember that it's totally okay to not find your perfect match right away. Dating is a marathon, not a sprint, unless you're on a reality show. Give yourself time, be open to experiences, and embrace every vulnerable moment with a dash of humor and a whole lot of self-love. You'll find someone who appreciates you for exactly who you are, asexuality and all. Good luck out there, Melissa. You got this. Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions, so head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades. 